you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Hey, what do you guys say we do a cold opening? You feeling a cold opening today, Ben? Cold opening? Here we go. People, we are 11 days out from the 2022 Illinois general election. Yes, 11. 1, 2, 5, 11. Let's talk about the governor's race. This is a 2022 Illinois gubernatorial candidate update. Will Illinois get a new governor? Literally, last week, I would have said, what, are you crazy? Absolutely not. Pritzker's getting reelected. What, did you just move here? But according to a WGN 2022 election poll that actually came out this week, believe it or not, I still don't, Republican challenger Darren Bailey's chances at becoming the governor of Illinois have gone from, well, None in hell, too. (laughs) Slightly less impossible. Yes, Darren Bailey looks to be gaining some tractors. That's a farmer joke. Get it? Tractors? He's actually gaining some traction. Ben, according to the WGN poll and their look into the governor's race, incumbent J.B. Pritzker now only has a nine-point lead, receiving 50% of the vote in the poll, with Bailey receiving 41%. Yeah, I uh, saw the poll. Uh, I'm not uh, jumping out of windows yet. Hold on. <laughs> Sorry, bad joke. Um, uh, essentially, first of all, polls, man. I, I, this is a whole other thing. I, I'm like, if Bailey wins this election, okay, then we could just blow up the polling industry once and for all. D. All right, just like it. It's it's uh, corrupted. It's. Uh, completely inaccurate. Uh, people can mess with polls. They they have no meaning. There is no reality. All right, because down uh, in legitimate polls, uh, as opposed to, you know, uh, campaign propaganda, thirteen percent, fourteen percent, fifty percent. What seems to have happened in this particular poll uh, is that the um, the folks in the old days said, "I'm not sure." who I'm going to vote for, uh, have weighed in with DB. Or the people who said they were going to vote Libertarian as a third party, what have you, are going with uh, DB. Mike, what did Donnie Trump get in uh, the last election? He got 40, 42%. I think like that's baked in. Whatever Donnie Trump got in the last election is baked in for DB, Darren Bailey. So the fact that uh, he was under 40% for a while just indicates that old trend you know, where uh, MAGA people lie to pollsters. You know, remember we talked about that yeah. many times, like MAGA people lying to the pollsters for whatever reason. Yeah. Yeah. Mike Riker, there was a columnist in Chicago years ago, used to say, just automatically lie to a pollster to screw them up. But I think MAGA people may uh, lie to pollsters. Uh, that's what got Dems, by the way, flipping out across the country. Absolutely. Across the country, Dems are freaking out because the polls uh, in most many of the swing states show uh, Democratic senatorial candidates either just ahead or just behind. In other words, it's just too close to call. It's within the margin of error. Uh, And then the Dems just are working from this anxiety that uh, 2016 would recreated. And that means that there's a a lying point. There's a certain percentage of voters who are lying and they're actually going to vote Republican. So that's kind of the psyche. I think that's in your psyche and my psyche as well, because we remember 2016 in Michigan. I remember that you sent me that video of Bill Barr uh, doing the, um, 
uh, who was he with Joe Rogan? And they were doing the comedy thing as the votes were being count counted. Uh, and like the America was freaking out. Bill Burr was just like laughing at, at the whole spectacle. And I think we're seeing that every election cycle, the every election cycle, that anxiety s- seeps into Democrats as they recreate 2016 and they go, Oh no, we're going to lose. It's going to get worse. Having said all that, I still think, I still think your overall premise in your opening is correct. Uh, and J.B. Pritzker will win. And Darren Bailey will get roughly the same number of votes as big Donald Trump did. There you are. A 2022 Illinois gubernatorial candidate update. This is a 2022 Illinois gubernatorial candidate update. And that's a cold <laughs> opening, my friends. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Friday, October 28th is brought to you by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago. Where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink. Every now and again, they talk about pot, you know, how you can eat it, smoke it, drink it. I don't know. Check out Chicago Reader and find out for yourself. Also, columns from our very own Ben Jarofsky, Chicago Reader, ChicagoReader.com. And if you want to help out this program, you can. ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. J-O-R-A, V as in victory, S-K-Y. I like your suits. You look good in them. <laughs> and I'm, I, I think that's awesome. And I hope that after the election, we can come to terms and maybe you could take me suit, suit shopping. It is Friday, October 28th, and this is the Ben Jarofsky Show's Oh, What a Week. And now your host, there's a good chance he's never been suit shopping. <laughs> Hello. Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. <laughs> Hello again, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. That is not true. Okay. I once uh, bought a suit. Uh, of course, uh, that was 40 years ago, Dave. That All I bought right, that 40 suit. years it's ago. My, it's the suit I was married in, okay? It was over 40 years ago. I bought that suit. I had to wear it. It's this suit. It's still my only suit. I had to wear it at a wedding. I, it was a, a black tie wedding I was invited to. Oh, so embarrassing. I had to drag out that suit. It, it still kind of fits. You know, but don't let anybody know. I didn't. After a while, I just unbuckled the buckle because it was kind of tight. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm not the slim and trim guy I was back in 1981. Let's just put it that way. All right. Anyway, we're calling this uh, promotion day Friday. And here's why. Because later in the show, I'll be promoting uh, Maya and my uh, debut performance. The first Tuesday at a new venue, Nighthawk in Albany Park. We'll tell you all about oh, that later okay. in the show. Okay. But I just want to urge people, November 1st, write that down if you listen to nothing else. Uh, and then a dear friend of ours, Patrick J. Whalen, and the J stands for Joseph. Actually, there is no J in his name. I just added. Uh, we'll be on to promote his show, D. So a lot of promotions uh, going on uh, in, in about, ooh, <laughs> I'd say about a half an hour of this show. But if you listen to nothing else, I'll be uh, at the Nighthawk in Albany Park, cool. Tuesday, November 1st. <laughs> Where's Nighthawk at? Uh, 4744 North Kimball. Not far from where you used to live. Oh, my God. Very close to where young Dennis Holy used to cow. Yes, many times uh, I would drop young Dennis off at his uh, place of uh, residence. Many, many times. 
uh, back in the good old days when we had a studio. And um, so this is just down the street, just down the street from the great Roosevelt High School. Go Rough Riders. Uh, and Patrick J. Whalen will be. Uh, oh, at dude, the, I've gotten coffee there at Nighthawk. I know exactly where that's at. That's right off the brown line. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Look at you knowing stuff. Always impressed with Dennis. I would say Dennis would be there. I would promote uh, Dr. D's appearance. But, of course, he'll be at home uh, taking care of baby Denise. Uh, and so he will not be there. But he'll be there in spirit. Uh, anyway, we'll be promoting Patrick J. Whalen's uh, uh, performance on Wednesday. It'll be Wednesday, November 2nd. But let's not dilly-dally any further. It's time for Oh, What a Week. And I turn things over to the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of Joy Vault in Illinois, Dr. D. Let's keep talking about the news in Illinois. On to the city of Chicago. Let's talk about the mayor's race. It's time for a 2023 Chicago mayoral candidate update. A 2023 Chicago mayoral candidate update. All right. It was the question on everyone's mind last week. Hey, Cook County Commissioner Brandon Johnson. Dude, are you running for mayor or what? We're reading stories, hearing about donations and endorsements to Brandon Johnson, but still no word from the man himself on if he was indeed running. It was kind of weird. But finally, we have an answer. Someone making Rice Krispies during this? I know. Someone should turn that uh, studio, his mic off. But go ahead, D. But finally, we have an answer. And the following comes from WTTW and Heather Sharon. Brandon Johnson launched a bid for mayor of Chicago Thursday, confronting Mayor Lori Lightfoot with a significant challenge. Johnson, I have his age here, Brandon. How old do you think Brandon Johnson is? Uh, I'm going to go with, hold on, let me do the math. I'm saying that uh, Brandon Johnson is 40 years old. You're going for 40? Yes. Let me channel my inner Regis here. Is that your final answer? (laughs) Is that it? Your final line? Wait, tell me, I get them mixed up. Is Regis the one that gave you a lifeline? Yeah, yeah. Okay, hold on, I'm calling Stacey Davis Gates. Stacey, how old is Brandon? 39? 39. Well, you're wrong, it's 46. (laughs) Moving on. Johnson, 46 years old, announced his campaign in Cabrini Green's Seward Park. Johnson said, quote, in order for Chicago to be a world class city, it has to include all of our young people in its beauty, its wealth and its power. So, yes, let's go, Brandon. Brandon Johnson. And I'd say so far, Brandon Johnson is on the right track with this mayoral run because also featured in his candidacy announcement, something that every candidate must have if they want to be taken seriously, a long semi-sappy video with piano in the background telling you who they are, how they've took on the special interest groups and what's wrong with the city. I took on the special interest and political leaders who set the wrong agendas for far too long. I saw what we can do and how much we can achieve when we work together. My mother taught me something. She taught me that words are not as loud as your actions. So I became an educator in the Chicago Public Schools, a union organizer, and a Cook County Commissioner. And I've been speaking with my actions for and on behalf of working families for a long time. And now I'm running for mayor of Chicago because we can and we must do better. Chicago needs a mayor who understands the urgency of this moment. A mayor who will fight for every child to breathe clean air, live free from violence, and go to a fully funded neighborhood school. A mayor who will make sure that in one of the richest cities in the world, no one is too poor to survive. A mayor who will build bridges and not raise them. And a mayor who will stop at nothing to build the city we all deserve. Our commitment to one another is essential to creating a stronger Chicago. 
I believe we can do it together. Join us. All right, a couple of references I have to uh, make clear about. Uh, first of all, uh, build bridges, not raise them uh, from Brandon Johnson's uh, campaign launch commercial. That, of course, uh, is uh, a reference to uh, the tactics employed by Mayor Lori Lightfoot uh, in the summer of 2020 uh, when there was rioting, looting, et cetera, and so forth in the streets of Chicago. Uh, in the aftermath of George Floyd's murder by Minneapolis uh, police officer. Uh, and so what the mayor did was raise the bridges that gain give people access to the downtown in order to cut off the flow of people into the downtown. Clearly, she was uh, sending a message that she was going to protect downtown uh, as much as she can. And that became sort of a symbol. Dennis and I, man, we talked about this a lot in the summer of 2020, a symbol of the the concept of two Chicago's and Ray Lopez was very open about this. He came on the show. You remember this D Alderman Raymond Lopez talking about how the mayor had a strategy to protect uh, downtown from looting and violence, but, but she had no strategy whatsoever to protect neighborhood wards uh, like his own. So that's essentially what um, uh, Dennis, uh, excuse me, Brandon Johnson is alluding to the other reference. I must clarify from a lot of our lefty listeners do not know this D. Uh, even though we've made this joke before, I was talking to a Chicago leftist the other day and I made the let's go Brandon joke. Uh, and this particular leftist did not know what I was talking about. And I was like, mm, we do live in two Americas. Okay. So uh, Brandon in that, uh, in that reference that Dennis's joke, let's go. Brandon is Brandon Brown. He's a NASCAR racer. Uh, he won a significant race. I want to say in 2021, can't remember the exact month. You can look it up in your Google. Uh, he was being interviewed uh, by the NBC reporter about his victory. And while he was uh, being interviewed, the crowd uh, at the NASCAR event erupted spontaneously uh, into one of MAGA's favorite chants. Fuck Joe Biden. Uh, and so the uh, NBC uh, and the sportscaster felt compelled to sort of explain to listeners <laughs> what they were hearing. Instead of saying, well, what they're saying is fuck Joe Biden. She said, I think they're saying, let's go, Brandon. Just made it up as she went along. I got to give her credit. It's pretty clever. And of course, MAGA, uh, then that became a rallying cry for MAGA because it was their way of saying fuck Joe Biden without saying fuck Joe Biden. All right. Uh, you've, le- the- you've reached your limit of F words <laughs> well, for the day. I'm just like, quoting fuck. MAGA. I mean. Who are we protecting? MAGA put fuck Joe Biden on signs and put the signs in front of schools. I'm just saying. I'm just pointing that out there. Okay. And just like the Pritzker sucks signs, which is not as bad as beep Joe Biden. How about that? There we go. Joe Biden. (laughs) One time Dennis swore in the show, ladies and gentlemen. I was like, what? (laughs) Um, so anyway, that was the joke that Dennis made, and Dennis and I have been ma- both making that jokes. I made it yesterday. Uh, if I were you, uh, Brandon Johnson, here's a piece of advice. Just go, let's go, Brandon, at every rally you have, and a lot of voters on the northwest and the southwest side will vote for you, thinking you're a MAGA guy. I mean, you know, it's, it may work. You know, they'll be like, oh, I like him. He's, he stands with MAGA, and they'll vote for you. Dude, I mean – you know what they were doing that game of chicken with Chewy. And finally, Brandon said, forget it. I'm not waiting a- anymore. So lefties need somebody to run. You cannot allow this race to come down to Lori Lightfoot representing the left in Chicago. So, sorry. We have all learned over the last four years that Lori Lightfoot is not a progressive. 
Lori Lightfoot is basically this, you know, Rom daily, same old, same old in the city of Chicago. All right. So we all know that. And uh, so the lefties could not allow her to go uh, unchallenged. And so the right's got candidates. Ray Lopez is running on the right. Paul Vallis is running on the right. You know, so they got theirs. Uh, Willie Wilson is more or less running on the right. So they got their candidates in the race. The left needs somebody. So everybody's like, all right, Chewy, are you going to run? Because he's the best known lefty in the city of Chicago, right? Are you going to run, Congressman Garcia? Are you going to run? He's like, I don't know. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. He won't come out and say I won't run. I mean, I swear it's like a talk about a dog in the manger, which is an old reference, which I won't bother, you know, explaining. It's an old baby boomer reference. But his reluctance to announce whether he was going to run or not run, it was like blocking lefties and the clock is ticking. Time keeps on ticking, ticking. On to the batch of possible candidates who won't make up their freaking mind. Supporters of Representative Jesus Chuy Garcia took advantage of the warm weather this week to start signatures to get him on the mayoral ballot. Chuy, who's also running for re-election as a congressman, knows and approves of the effort of everybody on the mayoral thing there. Come on, Chewy, pick a lane. Uh, former, governor <laughs> Pat, former Governor Pat Quinn and Chicago Alderman Tom Tunney are also gathering signatures for petitions, but have yet to make the leap to announce they'll run. Uh, petitions must be filed by November 28th. Yeah, all right. And so go, November 28th, you have to file. There's a lot of signatures you need. I think it's 12,500, something like that. And they're going to be challenging you. It's no easy thing just to, oh, it's a nice warm weekend. Let's go get some petitions signed. Uh, that's harder to do than you think. I don't believe that Chewy uh, is going to run. I think Chewy Garcia loves the adulation that comes from people speculating whether he'll run. Much like Arnie Duncan loved it and Mike Quigley loved it. And they don't run. You know, I mean, being mayor of the city of Chicago is a very, very difficult job. It's a high-profile, prominent job. Absolutely every issue that comes makes the, the front page of the city. You're asked about uh, even if it has nothing to do with Chicago politics. They'll probably ask you about Kanye West, for instance. A congressman doesn't have to answer a question about Kanye West. They'll ask you about the Bears, the Bears games. They'll ask you about Bears going to Arlington High. All kinds of things they're going to ask you about. It's a high-profile, difficult position. Uh, anything bad that happens in Chicago is considered happening on your watch. So I don't believe uh, Jesus Garcia would ever leave the, the comforts of Congress to run for mayor, but he loves to have his name kicked around. And Brandon Johnson, to his credit, just said, the hell with that. Well, that's Time good. for hesitation is through. No time, no time to mire in the fire. But hey, can we give those people their weekend back? My God, they're sitting here running petitions for a dude who's not even going to run. That's Clem Balanoff. Let's just call it as it is. Our old friend Clem Balanoff. He's the one. I think Clem wants Chewy to run more than Chewy wants to run. Clem is the aide to Chewy. So Clem, yeah, I saw his name in the paper. He actually sent me a texty that said with a, a picture of the um, uh, the ballot. Like to let me know that he was engineering this, I texted him back. Hey, Clem, come on the show. We'll talk about it. <laughs> Radio. <laughs> I'm scared. I don't know what to say. Whoa. Come on, Clem. Come on the show. Stop going around wasting people's time circulating petitions for a man who's not going to run. Wasting everybody's time and energy and a beautiful day. They could have been walking through the park watching winter turn to spring. But no, they're going around circulating petitions. 
Ben Jarofsky, Brandon Johnson, said he's running for mayor. Give it to me right now. Yes, this may ruin our chances of getting him on our program with this bit of honesty. But hey, you got to do it sometimes. All right, what is the chance of Brandon Johnson becoming mayor right now? Go, uh, 10 seconds. First of all, I don't think he'll ever come on the show. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, because uh, the first thing t- people do when they're, quote unquote, serious candidates uh, is they forget all about people on the left like me. So um, I believe he has a very good chance of making the runoff. Uh, and everything is come. It's all about making the runoff. Then I have to see how the world looks, D, uh, at that point, because it's you know things change in politics. So I think he has an exceptional chance of making uh, the runoff. Again, it only takes like what fifteen percent of the vote to make the runoff. We're not talking about forty plus percent. So I think Brandon Johnson has an excellent chance of making the runoff. If he stays in a race, well, Chicago politics is so freaking crazy. D a week from now, Chewy could be in and Brandon will be endorsing Chewy. So who the hell knows? But if all things point. remain the same, he has an excellent chance. All right. Brandon Johnson. Hey, don't listen to Ben. We'd love to have you on the program. Prove Ben wrong. Come on the Ben Jarofsky show and talk about this mayoral campaign. All right. Let's close it out with everyone's favorite Chicago daily political soap opera. It's a mayor and her alderman. A mayor and her alderman. <laughs> Well worth the wait, if you ask me. All right. <laughs> Mayor Lori Lightfoot and an alder person challenging her. I cannot talk today. Mayor Lori Lightfoot and an alder person challenging her in next year's election traded barbs at Wednesday's city council meeting after a proposal to install a new committee chair was voted down. Lightfoot backed an appointment Wednesday to nominate retiring alderman James Kappelman. Ben, of what board? 46. My God, you're a nerd. To head the city's education committee by passing Alderwoman Sophia King, been of what ward? Fourth. I'll just keep proving it. Who is running for mayor and currently serves as the acting chair of the committee. The committee has been without a permanent chair since former Alderman Michael Scott of the 24th Ward resigned earlier this year. The resolution to install Kappelman was then voted down 29 to 19 at Wednesday's council meeting after no discussion, delivering a defeat to Lightfoot. Oh, <laughs> I thought there was a bit that you were going to play before I launch into a response. Got a lot to say about this. Since you think you're so clever giving me trivia questions, I'm just going to turn things around and give you one. Mm, OK, so we just got finished talking about Brandon Johnson and we've got finished pointing out that he is a Cook County commissioner. Yeah, yeah. And what we didn't mention uh, is that he was elected, I want to say, in 2018 for 10 trivia points. Young Dennis, who? Did Brandon Johnson defeat? Oh my God! Run, Boykin, Richard Boykin. That, I, I knew that one. Ding, ding. Very good. Yeah, because I remember that dude. I saw, he looks like Buff Urkel, man. He has like glasses and he looks like a linebacker. He's, I remember. You know, I, politically, he's to the right of me. But uh, Richard Boykin, uh, you were always a great guest to have on the show. You uh, took it all in good humor and you gave as good as you took. So anyway, all right, neither here nor there. Uh, <laughs> This was uh, quite an event uh, in the Chicago City Council uh, and gets to the heart of a topic that we uh, talk frequently with Dave Glowatz in the show. Uh, and that is the bizarre nature of democracy in Chicago, where the legislative branch uh, is largely controlled by the executive branch. The whole point of having a legislative branch and an executive branch is to have a check and a balance. And so the legislative branch should be independent of the executive branch. But no, in the city of Chicago, the mayor reserves the right to name 
the uh, chairs of the committees in the Chicago City Council. It's a very important position to be a chair of a committee. You can uh, move to hold meetings. You could determine what the agenda of that meeting is. You could use your position. You could use the bully pulpit to cause, call attention to issues the mayor doesn't want to call attention to. For instance, this is the education committee. So uh, you could bring on the uh, Pedro Martinez, the head of the Chicago public schools to talk about, I don't know, this public schools attempts to what, uh, how they've done uh, dealing with the COVID or how they're doing with, have they met their pledges to hire more nurses and librarians, or you could talk about curriculum changes. You could do anything you want. Uh, you could ask pretty much anything you want. You could use that position to bring in the light as one mayor uh, put it but no if you're a committee chair and you're you owe your committee chairmanship to the mayor you use that position to do whatever the mayor wants you to do which means generally not calling attention to anything the mayor doesn't want you to call attention to and so here we have this bizarre situation where there's a vacancy uh, at in, in with the ed education committee there's no chair because the past chair, Michael Scott, stepped down in the middle of his term to take a job uh, in the private sector. He was replaced by his sister. Just let's pause and think about that. Mayor Lori Lightfoot chose Michael Scott's sister to replace him as the alderman woman of the uh, 24th Ward. I guess she didn't think it would be right to put a rookie in as a chair of a committee. So instead of replacing Michael Scott with Michelle Scott, as chair, she plucked Jim Kaplan, James Kaplan, who is retiring. He's not running for re-election. So this appointment will only hold for about three months, which will be three months in which you can be guaranteed if James Kaplan is the chair of the education committee, that he will do absolutely nothing to discuss education, to deal with the educational problems that the city of Chicago faces. He'll use his position as chair of the education committee just to shut up. <laughs> no light being let in, uh, no transparency in the city of Chicago. Sophia King, who is also leaving the city council, she'll be leaving in February because she, at the moment, I'm sure she can change her mind, is running for mayor of the city of Chicago. So if she, if she were the chair of the education committee, she would be doing whatever she can to use that position to hold hearings that would embarrass the mayor because that would help her campaign. So none of this has anything to do with schools or education. It has all the things to do with the mayor election coming up, which by the way, is kind of educational. You could use it for a civics class or a history class or a social studies class. So I could argue that it does have something to do with education. So maybe they actually switch off. One meeting, Kappelman gets to be the chair, and we could see what it's like to have a rubber stamp in charge of a committee. That would be very helpful for students in the city of Chicago. Okay, this is what a rubber stamp alderman does uh, as uh, chair of a committee. Then the next meeting, they could have, uh, they could allow Sophia King to be the chair. And then the students of the city of Chicago could say, oh, this is what it's like to see a mayoral challenger at the committee. Be very educational for the students of the city of Chicago. It would be a great civics lesson for them. So there you go. I solved the problem, D. I uh, figured out what they should do Thank uh, with this position. Uh, and of course, they're not gonna do anything with this position. They're probably just gonna leave it vacant. Uh, 
for the next three months because there are bigger fish to fry for all the people involved. All right, without further ado, I'm going to bring on a dear friend of the show who's been very uh, patiently sitting by with his camera turned off uh, and his mic muted, but his mic is fired up. His camera is still off, so I can't see his lovely uh, face. Uh, without further ado, the great Patrick J. Whalen. Welcome back to the show. How you doing there, Ben? <laughs> wait, 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 Nick Spazzato, where'd you come from? I've been hacked. By the I've way, been hacked. You've been I hacked. I've been Nick Spazzato. Uh, Pat Whalen does a great Nick Spazzato imitation. It's been a while since I've actually seen you. I've talked to you on the phone and texted you. That is a Brandon Johnson esque beard you're growing there right now, folks. That nice. I got to take a picture the, of this. The, Hold on. This is why I keep the uh, camera off typically. But, uh, yeah, I'm feeling every inch of my 29 years on this planet. <laughs> that was a discussion we had uh, before the show about how old he was. Uh, all right. Um, as long as we're starting, uh, well, let's do a smooth transition. You follow the city council uh, for before this before we start promoting a uh, shamelessly promoting I do, but show. i got to stay 50 feet away. They've asked nicely. Say that again. I have to I follow city council. What you have to stay. There was a joke there. I missed the joke. I think not Pat's too close. Great. I don't follow him too close. I see. You don't want to step in it. Uh, so uh, do you have any uh, burning thoughts on who should be the chair of the education committee or you want to move on? Um, I'll throw my hat in the ring. You know, um, I, I went to school a lot. Um, I was asked to leave schools, so I have kind of, you know, both sides where I've graduated and I've not graduated. Um, but, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you where I was confused why someone who was going to step down would be interested in being a committee chair. Um, but, I, you know, yeah, I would say meet Dennis. I think Dennis would be a good education committee chair. Um, Tulsi Gabbard. <laughs> it would be talking Tulsi Gabbard. Oh, she Lord. Do yeah, she does it all. All right. Uh, well, this reminds me, uh, Pat, your qualifications for uh, chair of the education committee. It reminds me of the time where I was uh, thinking of running for water reclamation district uh, on the grounds. Really? That, yes. On the grounds that I have uh, consumed a lot of water in my life. In fact, I'm going <laughs> to drink some right now. Mm. I find uh, it annoying that, that storm drains get clogged. So I think I'm, I'm a shoe in. Uh, I will, uh, now, by the way, I get to vote for, I just shout out to Danny Pogoshelsky. I just, Danny, I voted for you. I voted early and I even took a picture of it to prove it. Uh, so, all right, without further ado, let's uh, do some shameless promotion. Uh, talk about your show. I already talked about mine. Mine is Tuesday, September 1st. So there's no excuse listeners for not going to both Tuesday, November, November 1st. Yes. Tuesday, November 1st. And your show is. Wednesday, November 2nd. So what do you know? And your show is at? Uh, we're in Chicago. Uh, we're at a little a little spot called California Clipper. 1002 North California, 7 p.m. Uh, comedic guest Vic Pandya. Musical guests, I can announce Rich Jones, good friend of the show from way back. And an interview with uh, Rep. Delia Ramirez, a little trivia for you, Ben, the California Clipper, not only in current State Representative Delia Ramirez's district, but also 
in Congressional District IL-3, which she is running for the seat for. Yeah, she is running. To, and she does have a Republican opponent. So technically, she is not a shoe in because if everybody forgets to vote except for that Republican candidate, uh, she will lose the election. If even she forgets to vote, she will lose the election, which has never happened even in the city of Chicago. So. Well, at the, at the top of my list of what our interview will consist of is reminding her to vote. So uh, hopefully yeah. she'll she'll do well. Uh, that's will be one week uh, before the election. And uh, so I have to point this out. Uh, talk about this. Uh, the elephant in the room, if you will. Why we're doing the show my, myself uh, at the Nighthawk. Uh, in Albany Park, a new venue for us. We usually, for years and years, I've been doing First Tuesday at the Hideout. Uh, and uh, we talked about this with Maya last week, but I just want to repeat this. Uh, there was a, a series of allegations uh, released on Instagram uh, by Mikel uh, Devay, who used to be, uh, I forget what his exact title was, but he was the gentleman whose job it was to bring an axe to play at the Hideout. There were very disturbing allegations uh, that I took very seriously, having to do with like workplace abuse, uh, and uh, so I was waiting to hear the hideout's response uh, to his allegations. And then their response, which they produced, I forget how they did it, maybe another Instagram post. I just found uh, very unsatisfying, to put it mildly. Uh, they didn't address the points that he made. Uh, it was all very vague and it was written like in corporate speak. And I just couldn't in good conscience uh, ask people to come to the hideout at this moment in time. Uh, with all these questions uh, hanging over about whether it's a safe place for, well, for Mikhail at the very least. And there was just one incident that really got to me, uh, Pat Whalen, and I think I may have mentioned this to you already, uh, where um, he al alleged that a, a customer spit on him uh, and that that customer was not uh, punished in any way uh, for spitting on an employee. It had to do, I guess, with the dispute of wearing a mask. And I just, I, I mean, number one thing, are any venue in these contentious times, any sporting arena, uh, any bar, is you take care of your employees, you stand up for your employees. And this is an issue, uh, Pat, that I was telling you, like it resonates with me because I'm a sports fan, uh, and there have been moments over the last year or so where fans would throw things at uh, the players, the athletes. It happens in basketball a lot. also happens in football to some degree, but mostly in basketball. Uh, and then there's these moments where the players are so enraged that in some cases they want to go into the stands to go after the fans, and they're pleading with the uh, arenas uh, to do something to curb this obnoxious behavior by fans. I don't know. Maybe it's it's like a result of the pandemic I, I, I'm not a sociologist. I'm not going to try to analyze why it seems like this kind of uh, outrageous, obnoxious, uh, violent behavior is on the uptick. All I know is that you should deter it every chance you get. And in the NBA and professional uh, sporting games, fans who are caught doing that are outlawed. Their privileges are taken away. Well, they will not be allowed back into the games. It's a message that the NBA is sending to the people who work in those arenas, including the players, that they're looking out for their interests, that they're protecting them, uh, protecting them and their families from abuse and from violence. So I just think that's the bare minimum that any employer should do uh, for his employee. And that, that kind of struck me. And so I'm waiting to see how this gets resolved. The hideout has pledged uh, to do a review of what went down 
they're going to do an investigation, I guess, hire somebody to do an investigation. What went down, we'll see what happens. But at the moment, I'm very uncomfortable uh, bringing my show there. And so uh, Maya and I will be doing our show at Nighthawks Tuesday, November 1st. We'll be talking about the upcoming elections, uh, 4744 North Kimball. So that's my take, Pat. And I know you, too, once were at the hideout and you're not you've moved on from them as well, correct? That is correct. Uh, yeah, when, when I heard about this uh, a few months ago uh, from Michael and what little he, he related to me, you know, it's, I think it's, it's good that he got out there and told his own story, you know, and I also think it's good. I, I didn't know that the, the hideout is going to hire someone. They're, they're going to investigate this. You know, these are, these are allegations. They, they need to be explored. And I, I think it's appropriate for the time being to, to hold off on doing the show there, but you know, it's, it is with a heavy heart, you know, uh, actually Lior uh, Galil at the reader just dropped an article about um, kind of what the, what the hideout means to him. And I, I can say, that um, when I started Good Evening, my talk show, um, you know, the goal was always to bring it to the hideout, always. And so to, to bring the governor there last year was really, you know, top tier bucket list stuff for me as a guy who moved to Chicago from the small podunk town of Buffalo, New York. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it, re- it just sucks, man. It really sucks. Uh, and so I, I hope this, this gets sussed out and, and worked out and, but uh, these are, you know, these are serious allegations. So we're, we're going to have to, we're going to have to take a wait and see approach. And, you know, if, if you can get spit on in a music venue, gosh, shout out to all the poll workers out there. Cause man, this, this is going to be a doozy in November. Yeah, I, I absolutely. And there is a correlation, the obnoxious behavior, line crossing behavior. Uh, and this these are just relatively, uh, I have this in quote, less violent uh, acts as opposed to the carnage that's going on. It's, it's such a twisted, weird atmosphere in the world these days, uh, Pat. And uh, I mean, just this weekend, we're driving around, it was a gorgeous weekend. And the number of cars that felt compelled, the number of motorists, I should say, who felt compelled to come out of a red light with screeching, uh, you know, just like, like they're dragsters. I'm like, dude, what's your problem, man? We're on Irving park road. It's like you lose control of the car. You're going to go off into the sidewalk. You're not Mario Andretti. And I don't know where it's coming, but we saw it. Uh, it I had a car full of people each time because we're driving back and forth from various, uh, picnics, et cetera, and so forth. And we're like, what is going on? So it's just, it's, there's just this general sense of anger in the air, uh, violence. And, uh, I believe that it's coming upon all of us, even if it's something relatively lower down the scale, you know, like a, a cat calls or something, or somebody in a, in a club, uh, you should, you should step in and you should try to, uh, do what you can to hold people accountable for the behavior. So that's a very, I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I do think there's, you kind of touched on it. There's a general, uh, you know, feeling of anxiety that I, you know, I, I feel like I had before it was cool, but, uh, you know, there, there is, uh, there's, there's a lot of anxiety in America right now. There's a lot of tension. Um, yeah, I was talking to you about this uh, earlier. Well, actually, you know, I drive, uh, quite frequently. And I also have seen this behavior, people driving on the shoulders, people going at outrageous speeds. Um, and you really don't know who's in the driver's seat most of the time. So you can't really like confront people, but, uh, 
you know, I, I agree in terms of things happening directly in front of you. You know, we, we have to speak about it. It doesn't mean you need to jump in and be Superman, beat the hell out of somebody. But, you know, speaking about it and pointing it out um, it is important. It, it needs to be addressed. I see no other way. You can't ignore it. Um, I tried that. My therapist is rich. Um, so... Yeah. yeah, there's, this, you know, this general feeling of anxiety, you know, combined with the election, obviously, you know, rhetoric is, is pretty, pretty hot right now. Um, you know, folks are feeling it and it's coming out in weird ways. I think driving is just one example. All right. Uh, talk about anxiety, uh, election anxiety. Uh, you uh, uh, suggested me before we went in the air that you're feeling it. Uh, talk a little bit about the anxiety you're feeling as we head into the midterms. Uh, you know, I just, uh, I, 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 I try to keep up with the news. I listen to the Ben Jarofsky show. Uh, I read the columns. I, I bug him in text messages to try to keep up with things, but I also use the, 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 the tool of Twitter and just like, you know, a monkey with a stick, you can use it to sweep ants out of an anthill or you can poke another monkey in the eye and uh, it, it is a tool. It depends on what you use it for. I try to keep up with polls, but, you know, I don't know how you feel about it anymore, Ben, but just everybody's got poll numbers now. You know, I think Marianne Ahern tweeted today that some some uh, some polling outfit uh, changed Illinois from likely Dem to leans Dem. And I was like, huh, what's this outfit? And I click on their handle. I go to their page. And the first article that they've tweeted is one they've written about uh, Tucker Carlson talking about how energy prices are going to this and that. You know what I mean? So immediately you can tell that they have, you know, some sort of bias, which is unfortunate. Uh, big shout out to Amy Walter, the Cook Political uh, Report, because they're, they're, they, they try to, you know, keep it. Uh, as, as public media and unbiased as they can, but um, it's tough to look at polls and know how things are going to turn out. One, because some of the outfits are biased, and two, because things are so close, so close right now. Like, there are so many. I think Durbin went on Chicago Tonight uh, a week or so ago and was like, you know, we're, we're at 50-50 in, in, in terms of uh, in the, how the House and Senate could look. It's, it's just so close everywhere. And it, it makes you anxious. And, you know, you got Dr. Oz going up with uh, Fetterman and, you know, people having disgusting opinions uh, about how he's recovering from the stroke aside. You know, Oz is, you know, he's, a, he's an animal of television. Shout out to Oprah. Um, but, you know, the guy can perform when the camera goes on and, and, and the lights are up. Uh, so that kind of a matchup. Um, obviously there are a lot of debates recently and it, it just feels like, you know, women's rights or crime. And if people are afraid of crime and the safety of their families, then they're going to probably go with people that they think will make them safer, whether it makes sense or not. Um, so I don't know if that outlines, uh, the, the exact origins of my anxiety. Um, I also drink way too much coffee too. That doesn't help. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, no, the, uh, I had a, a, a sinking feeling because I've lived through this before, uh, much younger when I lived through it the first time. Uh, but the wave uh, that followed uh, the um, disorders of the 60s, the rioting in 67 and 68 that brought in uh, Richard Nixon and his get tough on crime uh, policies. Uh, I just when it when 2020 was going down, I'm going, oh, it's going to happen. We're going to see a backlash. Uh, and sure enough, that's uh, what we're experiencing uh, right now. The notion somehow or other that voting for Herschel Walker uh, in Georgia will lead leave you safer than if you vote for Raphael Warnick. They're uh, running for Senate. 
I'm not quite sure what they have to do with public safety in the streets of various cities in Georgia, but people have this connection that they make and it's very difficult to shake. Uh, and there may be just a lot of uh, hostility left over uh, and anger left over from what uh, the, the images shown in 2020. And so, uh, it's a consequence that we're uh, we're paying for right now, no doubt about it. Uh, and it is frightening. And I got to tell you, the polls that you cite is there's so much poll propaganda. I was talking about with this yeah. before you came on the show. So much poll propaganda, the way polls are used, uh, and it it the only. Democrats have far more anxiety, in my opinion, about polls than Republicans do. Democrats yeah. are far more anxious about elections. Than re- I do not sense ever Republicans have the anxiety level that Democrats do. Uh, and yeah, I I actually believe the New York Times, Washington Post, liberal uh, outlets feed the anxiety because it's good for their yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's all about traffic. You know what I mean? And that's why, you know, with uh, debates, um, I don't know if you saw, well, I guess it was a forum, but Amanda Vinicky hosted a forum between uh, Tom DeVore and Alexi Janulius um, earlier no. this week, I believe. Kwame um, Raul. Thank you. Kwame Raul. Uh, no, yeah. yeah. Uh, Janulius was the other night with Paris shots. But anyway, yeah, it was Kwame Raul and, and DeVore. And, you know, this is a contentious race. This is a very ideologically divided race, um, you know, even in a state like this. And I have to commend Amanda Vinicky because at the beginning, they're like, you know, our conversation will be guided by fairness. You know, there's no steam. There's no railroading. There's no campaign speeches. Da, da, da. And I was like, well, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she did a fantastic job. And I, I think a lot of it is if moderators and, you know, publications are concerned more with, like, distilling the truth and giving that to the the uh, the imbibers of their media, as opposed to creating controversy. You know, like, I, Ben, you know, my, my, my church ritual is meet the press this week with Stephanopoulos and face the nation. And far and away, uh, Stephanopoulos and ABC is just so red versus blue, sensationalism. You know, even Jonathan Carl, who I think is a great journalist, unfortunately, he's caught up in a, a rating show. And it's about who can hold people's attention for the, the longest. And uh, when, when, that, when that becomes the goal, the viewers lose and, and, th- and context is just lost. It's just lost. Yeah. And um, I... I I, I can't stand it. I can't, I can't stand it. And yet you watch it, you know, it every Sunday. Every Sunday. Of course. Of course. And I don't do it to learn something. I do it to know what the week's going to be like. You know, what, what sort of haymakers is which side going to be throwing about what so you can play defense in your mind about what the rhetoric's going to be and, and how they're going to blow things out of proportion. And then you can try to stay one step ahead with trying to research things and actually get the truth out of things because you really got to look nowadays. Yeah. But, you know, of course, Democrats, you know, I'm, the Democrats aren't as concerned as or are more concerned about Republicans about polls because Republicans are straight up saying, well, if we lose, we'll just say the election was rigged like that's where we're at. Yeah. And I, I'm I'm pretty flabbergasted that, you know, with Musk taking over Twitter and everything, you know, and, and with speech and, you know, Kanye, Kanye West and everything. I mean, people are getting away with all types of shit these days. Stuff. Excuse me. See, you got to be careful. Um, <laughs> it's a but yeah, yeah. um. You know, there's that's that's just my anxiety peeking out again, Ben. I don't know if I'm uh, here. and uh, just to show that we don't let let Democrats off the hook uh, when they tell untruths. Uh, Lori Lightfoot this week 
I should have mentioned this before when we were talking about the uh, education um, committee battle. Uh, in the aftermath, one of the alderman, summer alderman complained they didn't have enough time uh, to study the matter. It was dropped on them at the last minute. And uh, Lori Lightfoot, instead of just saying, yeah, of course we did. We dropped it on the last minute. You know, I just, that's, I hope I was, could win this way, which would have been an honest answer. Okay. You know what I mean? It's tactically, it made sense. Uh, and uh, <laughs> that would have been an honest answer. Uh, and, or what, how much deliberation do you need, Alderman? You had eight hours. I mean, either you're going to vote for it or yeah, you know, it's not, it's, <laughs> I mean, I thought that would have been an honest answer. You know, it's not like cutting a diamond where you have to really concentrate and focus and take deep breaths and here we go. I'm going to make that cut now. No, you're going to vote for Kappelman or you're going to vote for Sophia King. Not that complicated. All right. <laughs> it's not like the parking meter deal where it's pages and pages, you know, of documents. <laughs> Actually there were, you know, or the, uh, uh, the casino deal or any one of these deals. It's a straightforward thing, but it's a routine response by uh, legislators when they have a tough vote going, I didn't have enough time to the, anyway. So instead of saying an honest answer, what does she say? She makes up a story. She goes, well, uh, it was voted on in the uh, Tuesday rules committee. It wasn't even introduced in the Tuesday rules. She just freaking said something flatly. That wasn't true. And, and she was told by a reporter, I think, twice that like oh, that that's not true. And she said, yes, it is. And I was like, what's going on? Like, if you're going to lie to someone about what happened to rules committee, I wouldn't pick a room full of reporters as the first place to try to get that one over on people. But, you know, that's you know, yeah, it, it is, you know, red and blue. Both sides have their faults, no doubt about it. Um, but in terms of election integrity, you know, which, you know, is that a phrase that I knew or ever said before five years ago? Yeah. Election integrity, you know, and it's all about the fabric of truth, too, because, I mean, if you're just going to lie, well, then well, anyone can say whatever they want. Right. Who cares? And um, if that's the case, I'm six, four and I'll be starting for the Bulls this season. Okay, we could use. A, I hope you have an outside shot. If you do, you should go help the Lakers. They need a shooter. Uh, I will say this. Uh, Red versus blue. Uh, David Ferris is a guest in the show all the time and a great suggestion. He too, this is about a couple of weeks ago when I was chatting with him about politics. Uh, and he said, he's so sick of the red versus blue divide. He's calling on all the networks to change the colors. So uh, starting tomorrow, Democrats will be red and uh, Republicans will be blue. And that's maybe, how it used to be. How did you know that? that I, uh, <laughs> I'm a nerd. Six, I, I don't know when they switched it. Uh, in 76 presidential campaign, Ford was blue and Jimmy Carter was red. Yeah. And it's yeah. Uh, uh, somehow or other, or some year got switched. I know I was switched by the time Barack Obama made his speech uh, at the Democratic convention when he said, there's no blue America, there's no red America. Okay. Uh, I guess we've learned differently. All right, you mentioned John Fetterman. You had a great riff on him before we were on the air. Uh, let's talk about a senatorial candidate uh, in Pennsylvania, Democrat, uh, had a, a stroke. How many months ago was it? I want to say about four or five months ago. I can't, I've lost track of time. Uh, I think that's true. Yeah, and uh, he's on the road. He's on a road to recovery. Uh, but he is not speaking as clearly and coherently as uh, he would want. And... Um, I still think he's far more coherent than Herschel Walker is at this moment uh, in Georgia. And uh, good Lord. And, and, and yet uh, because in the aftermath of that debate, 
uh, the, the Washington Post and the New York Times are just uh, nervous Nellies. They're just, uh-oh, this could f- change everything. This is this suddenly his win is in doubt. Oz could win. Oz could win. Panic, panic. Click on the button. Um, your thoughts on all this? Yeah, I, well, this is just another example, I feel, of what we were talking about earlier in terms of clicks, like share, subscribe, you know, create controversy where there should be none. And, uh, you know, of course, people are going to have a perception that a, a guy who's recovering from a stroke is not as polished uh, as Dr. Oz in, in front of the cameras on, on the debate stage. But at the end of the day, uh, presentation has very little to do with success in politics. I think this is this is me taking a leaf out of Ben Jarofsky's book. You know, I I, I take offense to people uh, thinking that because someone stumbles over their words, they, you know, they they wouldn't be a a, a good uh, political candidate. You know, my 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 former president, the former forty fifth president of the United States. You know, I happen to have a former president who couldn't string a, a series of words together sometimes to save his life. Um, so I take that personally, but you know, on a serious note, this, this Fetterman uh, controversy for me is, um, you know, why don't you ask Gabby Giffords what, what she makes of all this? You know what I mean? Like people who have disabilities in this country, especially on the federal stage are, are absolutely swept under the rug in discourse. Their needs are never met. You know, every time I come to a corner and, and the curb let out uh, down to the crosswalk is goofed up, I don't go, oh, well, that looks like crap, or oh, I could trip here. I go, how is someone in a wheelchair going to get where they need to go? Every time the bus breaks down and the wheelchair ramp doesn't work, I think, how is this person going to be able to keep a job when they're an hour late every day and mass transit lets them down? People with disabilities of every kind in this country are absolutely given the shaft in every way, shape, or form. And so I really get hot and bothered about it when people are like, oh, well, you know, he's not a good candidate. It really, it really pisses me off because you're taking your eye off the ball. You're more considered with, uh, or more concerned with appearances than you are with substance. And uh, at the same time, the guy does wear hoodies and basketball shorts. So I don't know. You know, we can't just let anybody waltz into Washington, okay? You know what I mean? Like, this is just all, it's, it's, it's nonsense. It's pageantry. And the more that uh, the the outlets feed into it, the the more real it becomes. You know, it's just it's it's the he who will not be named of of politics for me. It it it's just disgusting, frankly. When when people are like, oh, you know, uh, he, he doesn't look too good, and it's like, well, you had a fucking stroke. Like, what are you yeah. talking about? You know, I I I don't know. It, it it really makes you wonder what what people want in their candidate in in, in who represents them. You know, it's just it's so gross. Well, I can guarantee you, without having watched the shows in ages, uh, that the discourse you'll hear on Sunday when they uh, when the talking heads get to the Senate races, uh, they will frame the Fetterman Oz debate in uh, in Pennsylvania along the lines of. Did the Democrats make a mistake by allowing John Fetterman to go on that stage? Patrick J. Whalen, go. And, Absolutely and- not. No, but that's how they'll frame it. And then, but Chris Christie will be like, well, you know, you should have kept them off the stage. And then, uh, exactly. Exactly. And, and that's, that's really what's disgusting is, you know, Donna Brazil is going to get up there and be like, you know, this is, 
he's the candidate. He's doing well. The numbers are good. You know, it'll be about the poll numbers and stuff. And then Christie will get up and wipe the floor with her. It's specifically those panels on, on this week. You know, it's just when it, when it comes down to clicks, like shares, subscribe, and, and you're more flashy, they know what punches to pull. You know, your buddy Rom and Chris Christie were the darlings of George Stephanopoulos. He would just sit there with a big dumb grin on his face as they threw haymakers <laughs> back and forth at each other and just talk shit basically while the future of democracy is at stake and they're getting paid what three grand in appearance so hey you know it's all good right plus he's got a cushy job in tokyo now um but yeah it's 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 all for show it's pageantry it's it's not not policy it kind of reminds me of my friend uh you ben i would love to see the suit that you bought in 86 i think that's awesome man and, and uh, talk about another one who is there, there's just no there there. You know what I mean? Uh, ladies no and gentlemen, Patrick J. Whalen now does uh, DB, Darren Bailey imitations, uh, which is a, a good one. Pretty good one. I think Dennis is impressed. Uh, that's very good. Ben, guy. You yeah. are so divisive, Ben. <laughs> this is an Illinois accent, as Dennis will tell you. Friends, vote for me and... Uh, you know, a chicken in every barn. That's derogatory, but you know what I mean? Like the, the guy has no policies. There's, there's, I watched all the debates and all you have to do is be like, he sucks. The incumbent didn't, you know, he, the, the incumbent didn't strike gold. He didn't make, uh, you know, candy fall from the sky. And therefore we got to give someone else a shot. No, uh, one, no one knows what, what a credit rating is. Yeah. All right. We'll close with one last imitation, totally out of the blue. Uh, nobody will know how accurate it is, but I think this is near and dear to your heart. I would love to hear your imitation of Jim Whalen, your father. It's very easy. So I just want the listeners to picture me standing up, uh, both hands on my hips, looking at the clock. It's eight o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to do anytime after 630, you just walk around flabbergasted at what time it is. <laughs> it's 930. So I need to know why. Okay. It's just AM or PM times that he's flabbergasted. PM. by. Okay. PM. Cause when you get up at four in the morning, you know, eight o'clock at night <laughs> is like, it might, might as well be midnight. So, so I need to know, like, so what, what are the roots of his amazement? I mean, what exactly is amazing him that it's, Actually, eight o'clock. So much time has passed, or he's still yeah, up. Yeah, that, that it's that it's so late in the day that he's still up. That it's so early and it's so late. I would be, you know, in high school or whatever, sitting there watching, not meet the press at that point in my life, but you know, nine thirty at night watching TV, and he'd be like, "It's nine thirty. And I'd be like, "Yeah, Dad." And eighty-five percent of people in this time zone are awake. So is he trying to impress upon you that you should go to bed, or he should go to bed, or I mean? What's it's the, really it's just the, the the nature of the flabbergastation uh really does not leave a lot of uh substance unfortunately there's not a lot of policy there either <laughs> he, he's just surprised he's just surprised well every, another day uh every child has um, or i shouldn't say every but many 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 children uh have imitations of their fathers Okay. I, my daughters could do imitations of me and they just love it. Uh, and, uh, I have my many similar exchanges with my father, uh, going back to the late sixties and the early seventies, uh, Pat, 
uh, where if, okay, so something you should know about me back then, I haven't really changed all that much. Uh, if there was any sporting event, and I mean any sporting event on the boob tube, I would be watching it, okay? Yes. Uh, and my father just, he, he had never had an interest in sports. And he just couldn't believe that anybody would spend time watching sports. So I'd be watching roller derby or something. I mean, I'm telling you, if it was on, I'm watching it. Now, unlike Dennis, I didn't watch tractor pulls. Okay, I drew the line there. But pretty much everything else, my father would come in in a room. He goes, the brain is a muscle. You must use it. Dad, you're in the way. It's the Cubs game. (laughs) Just stand over there when you Jose Cardinals, I bet. That's hilarious. I will say, well, I don't know if you've run into this yet, but I've now reached the point in my life, which I I will admit I am older than 29. I turn 29 every year, but I have for the past uh, almost 10 years now. Um, But one day I was walking around the house and I said to myself or the dog, I guess, who left all these lights on? And I went, "Uh uh oh, uh oh. Oh, yeah. It's starting. Oh, no, it's dude, starting. And then I look in the mirror and it's like a werewolf movie. I just all of a sudden <laughs> I start turning. I, oh, my God. Yeah. I have become him. Yeah, well, it'll happen. Trust me. Wait till you pay an electric bill. Wait till you pay an electric bill. Yeah, don't get me started on, on turning up the heat. Just put on a sweater. What do you, what? You just put on a sweater. You know? My, right. my wife won't go out to restaurants with me anymore because they say, will there be anything else? And I say, a million dollars? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, you're too, way too young to say that. All right. Uh, so one more time, we'll leave. Uh, promote your show. Uh, when and where? Go. 1002 North California, the newly uh, reopened and renovated and brilliant California Clipper, the reddest bar in America. Uh, I will be hosting a musical guest, Rich Jones, comedic guest Vic Pondia and uh, representative Delia Ramirez, uh, young progressive endorsed by Teen Vogue, don't you know, will be my interview guest, 7 o'clock, Wednesday, November 2nd. After you go to Ben's show on Tuesday, you come out to the Clipper, tell him Pat sent you. Very good. All right. Thank you very much, Patrick J. Whalen. It's always a blast talking to you. And ladies and gentlemen, just know I just put the J in, in his name. There is no J, but... I think he's uh, going to change his name to incorporate it. So thank you very much for coming on. Uh, also I want to thank producer Chris doing an outstanding job uh, from his uh, palatial studio in Alton. And of course, thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois, without whom this show would be possible. Back home at all, they call him Dr. D and the D stands for daddy. Give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. Have a great weekend, everybody. I've got a new name for Chicago. I've got a new name for Chicago. I'm going to call it Pritzkerville because every one of Governor Pritzker's extreme policies are destroying the city. I like your suits. I like your suits. 